The last 10 years have seen a dramatic decline in the population of some of the world's most beloved species. So the original idea was that we have to do something, we're losing these species, we cannot wait any longer. My biggest takeaway when I left Nikkei was the fact that, you know, in Africa, rangers and poachers were dying for products that were openly for sale. Yeah, I suppose you can liken the law enforcement response to wildlife trafficking to a game of chess. So historically, we've seen law enforcement just picking off pawns. I think what we need to be doing, looking at a longer term strategy, targeting the bigger pieces like the rooks, the knights and the bishops that are controlling the middle of the board. From the Wildlife Justice Commission comes the first ever in-depth analysis of a real-life investigation into the dark underbelly of wildlife crime. This was just a notorious hub for industrial trafficking of wildlife products. One of them led me to upstairs and they took out a good eight to ten pieces of large frond rhino horns. It was a pivotal moment and it really brought home the scale of, of his operation. He'd be counting his money uh, publicly, he'd be driving around in, in posh cars, really nice high-end cars. He's a rubbish driver, by the way. With never-before-heard undercover recordings from the investigation, follow this team of investigators on the hunt for one of Asia's biggest traffickers of elephant and rhino products. He told us that on numerous occasions that he was protected, that he wasn't worried, that he could do business. So they were still the flesh and the blood. So they were using the blow dryer to dry them up to help reduce the smell. We were 100% happy that we had the location of the ivory. This is Wildlife Kingpin, the rise and fall of Arnhem, an original podcast series brought to you by the Wildlife Justice Commission. Subscribe now.